can be seated. Go ahead and be turning your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Last Sunday evening, we began a Bible study on the thought of being surrounded by our enemies. And I know when you maybe hear that title, that first thing, that sounds so depressing. And I don't want you to feel depressed. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I want us to be encouraged. And so the, the keys I wanted to start with in this Bible study was that uh, God has prepared us a table in the presence of our enemies. So that is a good thing. Our God gives us the advantage. God gives us everything we need to walk before Him and to do His will. And He makes preparation for us. He provides for us. There'll never be something that you need to do the will of God that God does not provide for you. You're His child. He did not leave you ill-equipped. And so He prepared a table, or He prepares a table before us. We get to pull up to His table. We get to enjoy His blessings. But at the same time, He prepared it in the presence of our enemies. And so because of that, you know, that, that table being where it is, our enemies, uh, they are going to, to look at that and they are going to, to hate you for it. We live in this world as God's people, but He said you, you live as lambs in the midst of wolves. That's how the world views you, child of God. All that live godly shall suffer persecution because the world views you with a hatred because they see that advantage. They may not understand the advantage you have being a child of God, but they see it and either they will turn to it or they'll certainly turn away from it and hate you or despise you for that. So uh, that being said, uh, again, the keys uh, to the study is God has our table prepared in the presence of our enemies. And so because of that, uh, those we, we need to understand our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're facing. Now, that being said, I, I may have left this off last week. I want to make sure that it's highlighted and that is that our spiritual enemy, the devil, and all of his minions, I'm going to use that word, the younger ones know what I'm talking about when I say minions, uh, but all of his demons, all of his followers, uh, they do use people. And so just because we are not fighting against flesh and blood, that does not mean we won't be opposed by flesh and blood. Uh, they will see God's provision that provisional table, and they'll want to club you in the knee, so to speak. Uh, we have every right to be satisfied at the Lord's table, but at the same time, with the understanding that the majority of the world is going to hate us because of it. Now, that shouldn't deter us. We should want to try to win souls. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are to always try to witness. We're to try to... Uh, try to bring people to the Lord. We try to influence them in a positive way. But to understand, we do have an enemy, and he works through people, uh, and he can certainly 
do us a lot of damage. You know, flesh and blood people will be the one that hates you. You're not going to look at the devil and see him. You're going to look at the devil through somebody. And you'll see that person may hate you. So, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. We can be satisfied at the Lord's table. And we can be happy. We can have a joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you forget that, you are laying aside something that is of great value to you. Because the joy of the Lord is a strength that the enemy cannot understand. The devil cannot understand joy. He cannot understand why we would be joyful in serving the Lord. And people that are being influenced by the devil, they cannot understand how we could have a joy in the Lord that it really is it's beyond comprehension. It is beyond comprehension for the world. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Says, then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent it to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once or twice. So he Many times he was delivered by the counsel of the man of God. Verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's the spy? There's, there's got to be a spy among us because there's no way the king of Israel knows every move that I'm trying to make. <clears throat> so he thinks there's a spy sitting at his table. Verse 12, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. <clears throat> and when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servants, and his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite the people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way. So he's speaking to the enemy here, or at least the enemy's minions. And Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Syria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, 
when he saw them. My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. That, that's kind of an understatement. Uh, really, I know the Bible said it perfect, but it, you know, the, the emphasis there that, uh, hey, Syria's not going to mess with Israel anymore. God just showed them something uh, that they could not believe. Uh, God just worked for His people in a mighty way. Mighty way. So Satan, I've used this word minions a couple of times. I said the young people know what I'm talking about. There's a cartoon not too long ago about minions. But the, the idea of what a minion is, I used the word. So uh, that, that is, that, that's a follower of a powerful person. That's all that word means. A minion is a follower of a powerful person. And so if Satan has his minions, that means Satan uses a lot of people that follow Him to do Satan's bidding. So our adversary has a lot of followers uh, that are subject to His will. We not only are facing the devil, but we face the world, the world system. This, uh, th this spiritual warfare that we're in that you see, there's always an attack toward Christianity. There's always an attack toward the people of God. There's always a belittlement of God, of God's people. And there is always just seems to uh, just try to... We're going to snuff out God's people. It's been throughout the world since the beginning of time. Let's snuff out God's people. So Satan's always had a lot of people that follow the world system. And... Uh, our adversary, he has that uh, that we're surrounded by. Again, that's the title that we're dealing with. We're surrounded by enemies. We're surrounded by uh, spiritual wickedness, but also through these minions that do the bidding of the devil. And you say, well, who are these people? Brother Brad, I don't know any devil worshipers. I don't know anybody uh, that, that's just outright you know, like the devil. Well, the devil uses people that you know. I'm going to tell you something you might not like. The devil's going to use you from time to time. He will. Brother Bad, you don't know that he used Peter. Jesus looked Peter and I and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. So Jesus was dealing with his enemy. Satan is our enemy. He is our adversary. He is seeking to devour. And so he directly dealt with his enemy. Get thee behind me. Satan. As Peter Satan, he was being used by him. Again, I hate to just play on the same word, but at that moment, Peter was Satan's minion. He was, he was doing his bidding. And even though it seemed like, boy, it's so emotional and it's so raw, and, you know, Lord, you can't go to the cross, but. Satan was using Peter through his emotions to try to hinder the will of God. And so Jesus points out that you're, you're the enemy right now. Get thee behind me, Satan. 
Again, I, I think he was looking through Peter and seeing Satan and saying, you, Pete, you, Satan, I see you there. I see you using my friend here. And so get me behind me, Satan. So he, he used Peter, didn't he? I'll tell you something else he used. You think about Job and all the things he went through and, and how that uh, he never questioned God you know, even after he lost the things that he lost and even his health. But that wife came in and she said, why don't you just curse? How long will you maintain that integrity? Just curse God and die. Boy, it hits close to home. Well, Josh, that almost seems, that's just unfair. I mean, that's my other half. That's what Job no doubt, he, he realized, you're my other half. You're my... Oh, you're, you're my better half. That's what we normally refer to our wife or husband. You know, she's my better half. Oh, but at this time, his better half was doing the bidding of the devil. Won't you just curse God and die? And he had to recognize that and see, well, while I'm being attacked, while I'm going through all these things, I'm being attacked by spiritual warfare. It wasn't he. He was angry with his wife. He realized that you, you're not even speaking like my wife right now. You speak like one of the foolish women speaks. You're being used to try to hinder me. And so he had to recognize that. So that's kind of what we deal with in this life, don't we? We, we have to deal with that spiritual adversary. And uh, unfortunately, he uses people to do his bid. And he can at any time use anybody that gets weak, gets in the flesh. He's used preachers in the pulpit to stand up here and say something that we get out of the will of God and say. And, uh, so it can come from really anyone. He can use me. He can use you. If we are not sober and vigilant. That's how the Lord told us to look to our enemy. Be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So that's what we're dealing with. So here's Elisha. And his servant, and they find themselves completely surrounded by people that were being used of the enemy. Completely surrounded. And that's a very terrifying thought. Especially, you know, just two of you, and they may be hundreds, maybe even thousands. A great host of chariots. And, you know, that would be like waking up one day and you're surrounded by a bunch of tanks and people with machine guns and all that. That'd be about the equivalent. Oh, in our day and time. And so it, he's surrounded by this great host of people. It'd be easy to become like his servant whenever you're surrounded by the enemy. I think a lot of us do. Because we live in a day where it seems like we're surrounded by the enemy. And we get about like this servant. You know, we're just overwhelmed. Alas, Master, what shall we do? What, what are we going to do about this? It's just it's terrible. It's terrible. Be easy to become like this man and just be overwhelmed all the time. The enemy, look, again, the enemy can come as a preacher, he can come as a wife, a husband, a, a, a news report, the president. How many people say, I tell you what, I wish the president would just die? He's not the enemy. I know that's, that's hard words to say, especially in South Mississippi. He's not. There is a spiritual force behind him. And if you look through his eyes, you can see that spiritual force. It's not just in him. It's in much of our government. And you see this anti-God 
or antichrist spirit that has surrounded us. And, and so, uh, how do we deal with that? What do we do? They come as your tax collector. I tell you what, they've about bled me dry. And here they come knocking on my door and collecting taxes. Oh, Peter kind of got upset about that one time. Lord, they're at the door collecting taxes. We forgot about that. I mean, I haven't made any money to pay our taxes. I got rid of the boat, got rid of the nets. What am I going to do? Jesus said, I'll tell you what you do. You go catch a fish. The first fish you catch, look in his mouth, there'll be money. I'm going to tell you what, our God is awesome and he can, he can very well handle the enemies that we face. But we have to live by faith. And, and so that's where we, we come to. You've got this man that it, he is overwhelmed by the enemies that are surrounding him. And you've got these people, not necessarily the enemy, but the enemy's using these, these people, these minions. So let's get the message. Elisha has a message for this young man. Don't miss the message or you'll miss it all. This, this little servant was surrounded by minions and he didn't need to miss, miss the message. And, and so here tonight, if you don't get anything else out of this tonight... When you're surrounded by the enemies, don't forget there's more with us than they are with them. Boy, Brother Bad, it don't seem like that. Well, I pray that God will open your eyes so that you can see. Same God with Elisha is the same God I'm, I'm standing here preaching about. He's the same one, Brother Calvin, I serve. He has not diminished in power. Does he do things different in our day and time? He works in other means. Oh, and yet he's still just as powerful as he's always been. And so it's still today it holds up. There's more with us than they are with them. In fact, even if you took all those chariots of fire away and all we have is God. What is it? Oh, Romans 8.31? I believe it is. It says... What shall we say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? Oh, what a question. If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, Brother Brown, we're surrounded by so much evil and so much terrible, just terrible, terrible things. And, and look at our government, and look at the country, and look at the world and the shape it's in. And yes, we're surrounded by the enemy. Sheep in the midst of wolves. What shall, alas, what shall we do? I tell you what we do. Let's open our eyes. And let's see, there's more with us than they are with them. In fact, if God is for us, who can be against us? Being surrounded by the enemy is not so bad when we see through eyes of faith that our enemies, we might be surrounded by enemies, but our enemies are double surrounded. <laughs> our enemies are surrounded. Oh, well, it seems like they got the upper hand. It might look that way. But let's stop and look. What, what did God do here? Smoked him with blindness. So you've got this message. Open your eyes. See God. And whenever this young man saw God, he realized there's nothing to fear. There's no reason for me to worry because 
we have the advantage. So what is the strategy if that's the case? If I live in a world surrounded by my enemies and yet I have this great God, this, the message that I have that is so beautiful is that I have God and that God is for me. So they are outnumbered. So what is the strategy? How do I live in this life? How do I live in this world dealing with this? Keep in mind, you've got the real enemy, which is the spiritual enemy. Then you've got the minions. <laughs> you've got those doing the devil's bid. How do I deal with that? How do I deal with them? If you'll look at what the strategy was here, the strategy is mercy. God gave victory over the enemy. And He marched them into the home camp. And you can just see the king there. He's just licking his chops. He's saying, what do you want me to do? And boy, he talks about the father. He's talking Elijah, you are the, the, the horseman of Israel, so to speak. You are you're the man, and you have brought the enemy to me on a silver platter. What do you want me to do? You want me to kill him? You want me to kill him? He says it twice. He's excited. You want me to kill him? You want me to kill him? Nope. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed them. What? I want you to feed them. Send them away. Back to their master. Back to their king. They're doing his bidding. I want you to feed them and send them back. And God forever fixed that problem in a way that no man could ever fix that problem. They could have slaughtered every one of them. They, they had every right to do that. But that was not the strategy. The strategy was mercy. These flesh and blood people were made powerless by God. And then, once He made them powerless, He said, Now show them mercy. You know, that's exactly where I stood before the Lord one time. The Lord made me completely powerless. And then He showed me mercy. That's how come I'm saved today. I realize I am powerless. Completely exposed. A sinner. No way to, to win. If the Lord wants to destroy me, He can. If He wants to cast me in hell, He can. He has every right to do that. But what does God do? He showed me mercy. Look over to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're living surrounded by our enemies. What, what am I going to do? I've got to, you know, it's so hard. Why is it so hard? What makes it so hard? A lot of times it's hard because we're not going on the power of His mind. We're trying to willpower our way through life. You get down off a boat and you try to walk across the water by willpower. You sink every time. But whenever your eyes are on the Lord, Peter actually walked on water, didn't he? A lot of times we, we, we're, oh, I'm about to be overwhelmed by the enemy in this world. It seems like the devil's got the best of me. Why? Well, we're not standing 
in the power of His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's going to try to trip you up every way he can. Verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says, put on the armor of God. Okay, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's hard to get my mind around that, Brother Calvin, it, because a lot of times I, I want to wrestle flesh and blood. A lot of times people just, just get under your skin. I, I just want to just pop them in the mouth. Just, I, I've had enough. and uh, I, I have every right just to snap. They've got under my, you know, they've got under my skin. They got on my last nerve, and I'm just gonna let them have it. I want you to be reminded of this: we are surrounded by the enemy, but the enemy's not flesh and blood. Never has been, never will be. I know you look back at Israel and they went to battle and they fought wars and all of that, but our the the battle that we're facing in this life is not. Flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against the bank teller. Or the store clerk. Or the family when we get together at Thanksgiving. I tell you what, Uncle so and so, I mean, I, I just can't stand that fellow. And boy, <laughs> there we are wrestling flesh and blood. That, that's not the battle we're in. We're not surrounded by people that we should hate. We are surrounded by a spiritual adversary that wants to devour us. See, the devil's not just trying to get under your skin. He's trying to devour you. And nobody can make you give in. Nobody can make you tap out. Nobody can make you. You, you have to be willing to do that. And every time you step into the flesh, that's what you do. You tap out. I'm not, this Christian thing's not working. I'm going to do it my way for a little while. Then, then we have to repent. God forgive me. I got in the flesh. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have been so offensive. I know I, I knew better, but I, I just couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. God's grace is sufficient. There must be mercy for people while not giving an inch to the adversary. Does that make sense? We have to have mercy for people. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, and he looks down, the best of his ability, he looks down and he sees that he is completely nailed on this cross, naked and exposed. Before, And we're talking about a man that despised nakedness. We're not talking about some of these people proud of their nakedness. We're talking about a man, he despised the shame. He looks down and he sees his clothes. And they are gambling over his clothes at his feet. And this is, this is God. He has all power. He could have said, God, I have had enough. Strike them with lightning. And they'd have been struck. He could have said, God, that fire that you sent down for Elijah, send it down right there. And he'd sent it down. 
He could have said, God sent a legion of angels to come down here and take me off this cross and destroy this world. He could have. He had every right. And he had the advantage. But instead, he looked down at at the men that was gambling over his clothes. He looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mercy for the people that did not deserve mercy. God, they are being used of Satan. He's the adversary. He is the, the one that I'm here to defeat. Death is the adversary. That's what I'm here to defeat. And so he looks down and he has mercy on people that's gambling over his clothes. There must be mercy for people while we don't give an inch for the adversary, to the adversary. Proverbs 25, verse 21. You don't have to turn over there. Uh, I've got it right here. It says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. That's what Elisha said to do. Give him some bread and water. Send him on the way. Proverbs 25, 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. When he's talking about the enemy here, he's talking about the one being used of the actual spiritual enemy. And so he's looking at that soul, and he's saying that whenever you're dealing with someone that is being a minion, someone being used by the devil, when you do that, if you will, give him bread, give them water. Show some good to them. Have mercy on them. If you'll do that, he said, it's the equivalent of heaping up coals of fire upon his head. Now before you say, I figured out a way to get revenge. I got me a biblical loophole to get revenge. I'm fixing to go heap some fire on people's heads. Oh, Understand what he's talking about here is, that is the fire of conviction. If you will do good and show mercy to someone that has mistreated you, done you wrong, you might see them convicted of what they've done. And that's what we're here for in the first place. The Lord didn't leave us here just so we could battle people. He left us here so we could convert people. So that we could be a blessing to people. So that other people would be saved. And so, heaping fire on them, that's, that, that is... A fire of conviction. Turn the other cheek. Oh, Brother Brad, I tell you what. I know the Bible says that, and I'm not turning my cheek. I heard somebody say, well, I turned the cheek, but after that he didn't say what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to go ahead and have at it after he hits me at one time. I turn my cheek. I'm going to lay into him. Oh. The Bible says if somebody comes along and steals your shirt, oh, I saw. That's hard. Brother Brad, you, you didn't have to go there. It's Scripture. I don't know what else to do with it, but preach it. The Lord said, preach the Word. He said, if somebody comes along and takes your shirt, give him, or takes your cloak, give him your shirt also. What's the Lord trying to get across? He, he's trying to show us 
We are surrounded by enemies. But those enemies are not the flesh and blood that we so often get so frustrated with. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Lord said we got a reward if we do that. He said you got a blessed life. Blessed are those. Brother Brad, God wants me to pray for somebody that has been mean to me. Somebody that has been spiteful to me. That despitefully used me. God said pray for you see we are feasting at the Lord's table in the presence of our enemies and so God can more than provide for us whatever the enemy takes from us God can if the enemy steals my cloak my jacket and I say, you know what? God said so. I'm going to do it with a heart of love. I'm going to give him a shirt too. You think God can give you two shirts to replace that one you gave him? Absolutely He can. Brother Randy, as one day, I had a buddy. I thought he's a buddy. He said, let me sell you my boat. He knew I wanted a boat. He made me a great deal. I said, boy, he's a good friend. He made me a good deal on that boat. And I, I had been working hard, saved up a little bit of money. I bought that boat. Pulled it to my house. I never put that boat in the water. He called me and said, Look, man, that boat wasn't mine to sell. That's my daddy's boat. I said, You sold me your daddy's boat? Yep. I said, Well, you bring me my money and I'll give you your boat. He said, I ain't got the money. While I was gone, that boat disappeared out of my yard. He come got it. I, I was a, I'm a bigger fella than he was. I wanted to wring his neck. <laughs> I did. And the Lord showed me what you need to do is let this go. Just let, let him have it. And not only that, be kind to him. I said, God, look, I, 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 if you want me to drop it, I can drop it. I can't be kind to him. Yes, you be kind to him. I acted like it never happened. I tell you what, the Lord got a hold of that fella. You know what? He let me get a boat a little later on too. It's a better boat than I bought from him, and I, I didn't miss it. God can do that. God can, brother Brad, you asking us to do the impossible. I'm telling you what God said in Scripture. We can do with it what we want to, but we are we're going if we're gonna live here on this earth, we are surrounded by enemies. We're surrounded by spiritual wickedness and that spiritual wickedness is going to use people. And other means, but you're going to use people. You're going to sit there and watch the news and that news is going... There's somebody on that news channel that's going to purposely try to misinform you because there is a spiritual agenda going on behind the scenes. You know, I'm going to say this and I'll close. Whenever you read the book of Job, it says that the sons of God came before him to present an account, and the devil came also. And God asked him some questions about it. Have you considered Job? I've been walking to and fro in the earth and up and down in it, looking for somebody to devour. 
I can't touch Job. God said, I'm going I'm to let you have at him for a little while. There's things going on behind the scenes. The Bible rolls the curtain back just a little bit. You can just peek back there and see. And there's this spiritual warfare going on. It'd blow our mind, I believe, if we actually saw what exactly was going on. The Bible says he knows where Satan's seat is. In the church. God knows where Satan's seat is in the church. And I'm going to tell you what, it's not this one right here. It's not that one right there. He didn't come and sit on the seat by himself. He come through us. Or, or you or me or whoever, it may, whoever the weak link is. And he can use you. If he can use Peter, if he can use Joe's wife, he can use, he can use you, he can use me at some point. So be sober and be vigilant and understand we have more than enough advantage to live in this world among our enemies. And not only that, to be a blessing to them and to convert them. Last first song.